It's the Jeremiah Show. Welcome to the Jeremiah Show. This special episode is dedicated in loving memory to Linda Faye Goldblum. Born in 1938 to 2018. I want to read uh, the intro to the book that we're going to discuss today on the show. Uh, it's written by my special guest, Jana Brody, and it's written by her husband about Linda Faye Goldblum. So, so here it is. Start out the show like this. One of my father-in-law's favorite books was A Prayer for Owen Meany. The first chapter, Foul Ball, discusses how the lead character, Owen Meany, Hits a foul ball that hits his best friend's mother in the head, killing her instantly. Little did I know that the same story would play out in my own life. While it took many years for Owen Meany's best friend to find the meaning behind the death by foul ball, I feel that my mother-in-law's death by foul ball did have some higher purpose in changing the world for the better. Sharing this tragic story elevated the need for fan safety awareness and transformed ballparks with a mandated call to expand the nets out to the foul poles. My wife, Jana Brody, found her voice advocating for increased fan safety in Major League Baseball and through her writing. Here is the memoir by my wife about my mother-in-law, and the foul ball. I hope it will help other people to be inspired to turn tragedy into action. And that foreword was written by Eric Brody. And so we begin our story today. My special guest is Jana Goldblum Brody. Her mother, Linda Goldblum, was struck in the head by a foul ball as she sat behind the nets at a LA Dodgers game. She died from that foul ball. A baseball killed a woman at Dodger Stadium. Major League Baseball's first foul ball death in nearly 50 years, the Washington Post headline stated. These words were a brief and appropriate obituary for Linda Goldboom. The news of her mother's death devastated Jana. And over the next few years, she began reaching out to anyone who would listen in the hopes that by sharing the story of her mother, Linda Goldblum, and her ordinary life through her extraordinary death, that she would be able to change the height requirements of the nets behind the batting cage, nets that are there to prevent tragedies like Linda Goldblum's. Welcome, Jana. Hi, Jeremiah. Thanks for having me. It's so nice to have you. It uh, took us a, a little, a few attempts to tell this great story and get you here at the studio. And I'm so happy that we have actually have this time now to sit down face to face and, and talk about your book and um, and the tragedy that happened to your mother. But 
you've you you don't want to look at it that way. You look at it like there's an opportunity, and it's actually changed the world for the better. And uh, yeah, and the tragedy that unfortunately happened to your family won't happen to others. Well, that's definitely the gist of it. Um, well, you had mentioned earlier in your promo that she was sitting behind the net. So she was sitting just above and behind the net. So she was behind the, um, you know, where the ball, the ball should be going, but it was just not high enough. And oddly enough, it was 2018. It was the same exact year that they mandated the ballparks um, netting to go to the past the dugouts. But again, that wasn't quite enough. Mm-hmm. So that's after my mom's, you know, crazy, horrific, you know, story. It was kind of hush hush and there was no news. And um, we were grieving at the time. And it was a kind of traumatic whole situation. But then I just started thinking, you know, why doesn't anybody know this? I, I tell people in person and they're just jaw drops. Like, what? What in the world happened? How come nobody knows this story? So I just started Googling foul balls, injuries, and things like that. And that's when I came by to Willie Weinbaum, ESPN's um, article about, look how great the 2018 nets have been extended to the dugouts. and inter- Injuries are going down. Blah, blah, blah. And then it, it re- did report that there was um, only one death, you know, in 40 years or so. So... I want. I just quickly wrote him back, and this is actually the opening of my book. And I just said, you know, how can I get that statistic changed? It's not just one person mm-hmm. forty years ago. My mom died in six months ago in August of twenty eighteen. So he he wrote me back immediately. What? What do you mean? You know, this is incredible. So he was an ally from the start as a journalist, and he really worked with me to get the story out. And as soon as he put, you know that button to release that story, my phone blew up. And I just, journalist after journalist kept calling me and, and you know, wanting to share the story. So it was a lot, yeah. <laughs> but I got better at it. And it's been, uh, you know, three years since that story broke to almost to the, the week here. So I'm kind of raw, you know, not as good as I was then about talking about it. And but since the books come out, you know, it's all I'm reliving it all again. And um, again, the, the you hit the nail on the head by saying that something good came of her death. You know, that's the only way that I could um, get the word out. And and it was a long haul, three years, you know. Well, I didn't hear about this. And you said it was brushed under the rug and it's not, it wasn't really publicized. And there are how many injuries? You, you told me off air here a moment ago, but... What did you say, 1,800 injuries well, by foul balls? There's 1,800 in it. There was a report that was, uh, and again, I'm an artist, not a statistician, so I'm not good at re- re- replaying everything. But there well, was the, a... The listener can go fact check. Yeah. We, 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 a broad... I appreciate that. <laughs> there's a chunk of time where there was um, a study shown, you know, and... Um, before those extended nets in, the, in 2018, you know, mm-hmm. even to the dugouts. But there was almost 1,800 injuries per season. That's like every 10th wow. game. Every 10th game. And you don't hear about it no. at all. <laughs> but I, like all of us probably, sit there when we were at a, at a game, baseball game, whether it's, uh, you know, a, a kid's baseball game in a park or – Friends, family having a baseball game or at a major league baseball game. 
you see those balls spin off mm. off off the fouls and hit the net behind or the the backboard. And I've often thought, how, why do I never hear of anyone being hurt by that? And so it's happening. It's yeah. just not being reported. Well, what do you? Th- what did you? What do you think that is? That, well, like we, we you, it was kind of funny in the in the intro that my husband wrote. You know, John Irving did a fictional story about it. This ball at a t-ball, you know, little league game mm-hmm. killed his best friend's mother, and that you know, one shot kind of thing. So it, <laughs> it's actually happening in real life. And the craziest thing is, I'm part of a Facebook group called. I hate to say it, but injured people from major and minor league games. And this is a place that we we vent and share stories. And it's horrific that it's continuing to happen, you know, in this day and age. It's it's just it's just appalling, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's what you like you said, you didn't you haven't heard about it because I think it was, you know, swept under the rug. I mean, there was um. You know, EMT people helping my mom. There were people sitting around her. There was a popcorn guy. There's an elevator guy. Like, not one of those people reported it. Yeah. You know, so I think it's, they, they have to be, like, on the lowdown with MLB. You know, it's part of the book we talk about, or I talk about, you know, comparing it to big tobacco. You know, mm-hmm. they, they knew years ago that smoking was bad for you. But they sold it as it anyway. Well, uh, you're <laughs> yeah. right. And I love that you brought it to life. You brought it to the attention. And you actually cr- created change through through this tragedy in your family. But it's like, uh, you know, the NFL and the head injuries. Mm. And now it's starting to come to light. And it's starting to come uh, to, as a topic of conversation. And how we can make it safer for those players. But... For years, I mean, for how many years in football, it's it's kind of swept under the rug, quote unquote, again, you know, it's um, doesn't make good TV, you know, mm-hmm. to see this. I mean, it, once my hurt. story came out, I think journalists were a little bit they were looking a little bit more for things and they were catching things on camera. And some of the Albert Elmore, I want to say, literally could not finish his at bat. He he saw where his ball hit. He could see that little girl with his own eyes, and he was so distraught. Like, how do you go to work thinking you're going to hurt somebody? You know, that's nuts. Have you heard from the player that? that well, that's another story. Is the player that my dad swears that it was? Um. Might not be the player that it was, so that you know. We don't need to get it, into it, that, but yeah. The so is your mother and your father at the game? Yeah, at yeah. the Dodger, LA Dodgers. Do they do they go to games quite a bit? Is, oh, were gosh, they behind? Yeah. Sounds like they had nice seats, right? Oh yeah, my dad is a wrestling plate. coach. From you know, he's a big sports fan, and LA all the way. Um, We've gone for years as kids, you know, growing up. And my dad had a block of tickets. So maybe every 10th game. They go a lot. Mm. And um, it was with a best friend from UCLA days. My dad was in his 80s at the time. And um, they, the four of them would go to these games. Him his, his, his best friend and his wife and my mom and my dad. And um, this particular game of the whole entire year, his wife wasn't feeling good. And so his best friend asked him, hey, why don't you just take the tickets? So, again, I think this was all preordained. My dad invited his brother and his wife. So my aunt and uncle were there 
for this one game out of the whole entire year when this crazy thing happened mm. to experience it and then to like help drive the car and then to be at the the um, hospital during midnight brain surgery you know so it was i'm sure the best friend would have helped as well but yeah. to have your brother by your side i mean that was crazy so yeah they're very they're avid avid baseball fans let's bring let's talk about your mom a little bit and Although she's here, I'm sure, with you at all times. I'm sure you feel that way, that, that she's still with you. Let's bring her to life here in the studio and for the listeners out there. Linda Goldblum, uh, you know, who was she? What were the things that she loved? Um, what did she believe in? How did she live her life? Yeah, that's so thoughtful. In fact, it was some of the interviewers like you that were compassionate that told my dad's story versus just the horrific baseball part of it. So he appreciated that because that helped him get through the loss, you know. But my mom was, you know, she was a stay-at-home mom pretty much my growing up. She always worked retail. She was a, a shopaholic. So whatever store she worked at was a place that she would want to buy the stuff for. My nephew um, described her in his um, in his um, eulogy that she was a... Um, I don't know, like a, a closet gift giver, budget shopper, but she always... She's she always, always thinking about other people. Always thinking about other people, and and she was a giver. She never came to a house without something in her hand. She taught us that as well. And um, she was a listener, too, which is interesting. My dad, like I mentioned, was a wrestling coach, and we always had guys staying at our house and sitting on the couch and telling her stories. And she was like a confidant and... Um, a storyteller herself, but she also knew when to listen. So mm -hmm. I thought that was pretty interesting. And um, did she have a favorite player? She did. She loved Jock Peterson. And I always uh, there's a lot of Jewish humor in the book, and I have some Yiddish words, but that's just because that's who she was. So Jock was one of the Jewish players, and she loved him. And um, yeah, she she was a character, but. Was the L.A. Dodgers your, the, the family team? Oh, most definitely. Yeah. If, my dad originally grew up in, um, you know, before he was 18, he grew up in Chicago. So he went to both the White Sox and the Cubs. He said well, whoever was home, they'd mm -hmm. go to. But then he came over here to UCLA in um, the heart of L.A., right by Chavez Ravine. So he became a Dodger fan right away. Do you remember your first baseball game? I don't think I remember my first game, but I remember going with my grandfather, and I think I mentioned this in the book, and my grandfather, God bless him, would like leave the keys in the car or something, and and we were the last people to be in Dodger Stadium waiting for AAA to come, And <laughs> but it was amazing because we, we got well, to see... you can't get out anyway, so you might as well just wait there. Yeah. For <laughs> and, but we got to see all the players come out in their street clothes with their hair wet, and I was a big Steve Garvey fan, so that was my era. Garvey, say, love, best done. Did you get to meet him? I, I don't know if we met him at that moment, you but him, I though. met him in the world. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, that, I mean, that game totally sticks out for me and that's, oh, and then another time was my, one of my favorite games was they used to have, um, picture day. You could actually go on the field and stand next to a player with an old fashioned camera and snap a picture. And it happened to be, I calculated it on the calendar. It was Steve Garvey's half birthday. 
So I brought him a half a cake, and I ha- I had to figure out a way to like hand it to him, and he he didn't really like that because he was supposed to be taking pictures, but it was my thing, and I don't, you know it was I always remember that. So those guys were my heroes, those eighties. Yeah, and so as your your father, your mother, they would go to as many games as they could when they had tickets available to them that they shared with friends. Right? You say yeah, yeah, and. Um, so this is a family tradition. You weren't there, but his brother and his wife were there at this tragedy, when this tragedy happened. Where were you? How did you hear about it? Do Gosh, remember? I remember exactly because it was August 25th was my wedding anniversary. <laughs> That's the, I went out, um, it was a family party we went to and we, I was, you know, came home, so it was about 1230 at night and um, my sister called, and she doesn't call me very often. So I was like, "Oh, oh why is she calling me at twelve thirty at night?" Yeah. You know. So that's you know, my anniversary was um, the day she was in the hospital and brain surgery. So it's pretty crazy. Were you living in LA? Were you? No, I was here in Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara. So I was, um, you know, a good two hours from the um, USC hospital that she was taken to. And again, I my sister said my dad's there, and she's in ICU anyways, or whatever recovery. So don't come now, you know. So I just kind of was in numb and shock, you know. It, it was very crazy, and um, I don't get headaches or migraines very often. In fact, that's something that my mom dealt with during her life. But that night, I had a migraine. I could barely move, and I, you know, I was thinking maybe i'm like channeling my mom's pain or something it was well you hear about that with twins or brothers and sisters or something happens to one and the other can feel it across the world or across the country wow that's interesting yeah and further in my book talking about that same thing is um the moment that she did pass you know i talk about how we you know we all gathered the most amazing thing is my whole family is from california so it was um we all could gather in a you know, six hours notice. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was part of the, you know, the healing and gathering and saying goodbye. But, there, you know, her brain, there were, the blood was just expanding and there were, it couldn't go anywhere. Right. So, you know, there was, she was gone breathing on her own. So because of the DNR, you know, we had to say this living with no brain is not living, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so whatever, we had to, you know, you know, get her off the decision. Yeah, it was a tough decision, but it really wasn't that tough because she wrote her in her own words, you know, don't keep me living unnecessarily. So we had that document. And, but that was the point that I brought that even up is that, um, you know, when we did take her off the breathing machine, the doctors would say, you know, she's going to make some strange sounds and it might not be long. So just know that. So I left immediately. My my dad and the the men tried to hang out, but she she held her own for a while, at least an hour over an hour while they waited. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of strange. So they decided to go home, you know. And uh, I talked about that too in the book that she let everyone go home and get some sleep, and then the strange thing, almost like the you know the pain of when she was in the surgery. I was I was so dead tired after this four days of not sleeping and whatever, and I woke up, like just woke up, 
And I remember looking at the ceiling. I was in my childhood bed and my childhood home. And I was thinking, why am I awake? This is so annoying. I need to be sleeping right now. I'm exhausted. What is going on? And then literally, you know, minutes, you know, I don't know. It felt like minutes later, the phone rang and it was the hospital calling my dad. So... I feel in that case, my mom woke me up to say goodbye. I mean, that was a trip. (laughs) That was really interesting. So I feel like those things go on and on throughout the story. And um, Mm -hmm. she, you know, she she wanted it to be, you know, not such a terrible way to go. And, you know. Now, when you were a kid, did you sleep? Sleep in a lot. Did your mom wake you up a lot? Oh, yeah. Were you always late for school? Yeah. I <laughs> so definitely like to sleep. One more time. One last time. She was gonna, <laughs> get up, Jana. Yeah. Get up, Jana Banana. That's it. <laughs> Got it. All right. Um, the Thank you for sharing the story. I, I, it, uh, I want to hear what happened next because what happened next took every ounce of courage and energy that you had to 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 get the word out to to make sure that no one else ever went through this again. I am speaking this uh, episode here with uh, Janet Goldblum Brody. Um, her book is uh, "Sit Behind the Nets," but it's let me let me I, sh- I can do that better. Sit behind the nets. Exactly. Explanation point. <laughs> The memoir about a mother killed by a foul ball at a major league baseball game. This memoir is written by an outspoken, grieving daughter after her mother was killed by a foul ball at Dodger Stadium. Jana began a quest through the media to encourage changes for fan safety in Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball's recently extended nets are an outcome of using her voice for good. Improving fan safety awareness through this tragic transformational memoir is the goal, and sharing her mother's life and legacy paired with published articles, quotes, and personal perspectives, the story unfolds in real time over three years. Go to the games, but be safe and sit behind the nets. You can buy the uh, the book on the website. It's sitbehindthenetsbook.mystrikingly. Dot com m y s t r i k i n g l y dot com pick up the book it's a great great read and we'll be right back we're going to talk more with Jana Goldblum Brody yeah this is my mom's car oh really you here for the festival yeah did you tell yep sweet car mom Oh, yeah. 
I've been cheating on, cheating on you You've been cheating on me But I've been cheating through this life And all this suffering I am Shadow Stevens. While I'm doing this and that and the other thing at the very same time, I'm having a great time on The Jeremiah Show, the greatest show in the history of the world. For the love of God, subscribe. No, seriously, subscribe. Hey, y'all, this is Palmer Anthony. Y'all be sure to check out my new single, Meet Me in Texas, available now anywhere you find music. Be sure to check out our website, palmeranthony.com, for future tour day. Thank y'all for listening to The Jeremiah Show. Hey everybody, it's Tim Stack from It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack telling you, asking you to watch the show Sprung on Freebie, Amazon's new free channel. I promise you it's funny, it's got heart, and my shoulder appears in episode three. Welcome, Los Angeles. The Jeremiah Show is now on Radio Candy Radio. Discover a world of emotions, your digital radio. The Jeremiah Show airs 10 p.m. Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. RadioCandyRadio.com. Jeremiah Show. My special guest today is Jana Goldblum Brody. We're sitting together in the studio. Um, it's just nice. Really, it is nice to sit in the studio with a guest and uh, not, even though we are recording over Zoom for YouTube, um, we're only a few feet away from each other. She's been kicking me in the shins the whole time. <laughs> this uh, special episode is dedicated in loving memory of Linda Faye Goldblum, 1938 to 2018. And if you're just joining us, uh, Jana's mother, Linda, was at a L.A. Dodgers game and a foul ball jumped the nets, hit her in the head, and tragically, she passed away from those injuries. So that's where we pick up the story there, Jana. uh, When we went to commercial, you you explained and uh, described the the family that had gathered at her hospital that she had a do not uh, resuscitate DNR. Um, everybody went home. You had been asleep, uh, excuse me, awake for four days and needed to sleep, started to fall asleep and you were awakened. 
couple minutes later the phone rings and your mother has passed away what happens from there like what because you've you've affected you've used this to really affect positive change for safety measures at, at major league baseball games around the country what happens though you're not in that state of mind when you find when you lose your mom how do you trans how do you deal with that what do you go through and then how do you get the courage to actually not be selfish and and think of others as your mother always did and affect change well it didn't happen that quickly i mean we were all pretty much in shock the whole thing is like winning the the backwards lottery, that 40,000 people in the stands and the ball finds my mom. I mean, that was crazy. So we all had to come to terms with maybe it was her time and it was meant to be. Da, da, da. And, you know, then we had a whole, you know, grieving situation. But the, I did mention in the book, you know, we're part of a Jewish family and usually we bury people like in two days right away there's it's just the mm -hmm. thing you do you start the the grieving process the mourning process right away and because she died of blunt head injury that was <laughs> crazy she in los angeles county could not go straight to the cemetery she had to go to the coroner and they had to do a whole rigmarole to make sure whatever they need to make sure. Because she died at L.A. By, at the Dodgers? By state? a blunt right. head injury. Okay. It doesn't, um, they needed to rule out some kind of foul play, but mm -hmm. in this case, it literally was a foul ball, you mm -hmm. know. But it threw our whole family into a loop because we couldn't plan a funeral, we couldn't start the grieving process, did the kids go back to school, do we go back to work? We were just like in limbo. So that was very, very strange. Finally, it all came to be. We had a funeral. Da, da, da. But then, you know, time passed, and that, she actually, you know, died at the very beginning of September of 2018. And it wasn't until maybe, you know, two or three months later that I, you know, I tell the story in person. And like I mentioned, that people's jaws drop. What? How come I never heard of this? This is very strange. Da, da. So I did some researching, as I mentioned, as we started this um, this interview. You know, I just went on the internet and I looked up foul balls, death by foul balls, and then, again, ESPN was shocked to hear the story and, and ran with it. It's an amazing man who's been my mentor the whole time and just hold, hand-holding me and sharing um, developments along the way in Major League Baseball. But because of that ESPN's credibility, it became an Associated Press story. So everybody picked it up. Everyone, you know, the, the ball, you know, was was going that why is this happening you know is can it happen again you know should the nets be raised and this and that so here we are sitting three years later and while i was you know things have really improved like you said i mean it, it took three years but major league and minor league has uh, made some mandates of raising the nets okay so let me ask yeah. you before we go to that Who's Jana Brody? Who are you? you? You told me in the hallway here before the show, if you don't mind repeating, I'm a Valley girl. Uh, <laughs> I was a Valley girl. Uh, I mean, what do you do? What did you do before this, um, before you took this on? 
Are you a writer? Are you a researcher, an artist? No, yeah, <laughs> thank you for asking. And me as a person, and not too many people ask me that. Um, I, yeah, I'm an artist by heart. I'm a nonprofit administrator. I have my master's in arts administration. So I've always worked in the um, in the nonprofits in the arts and arts education and re- outreach. And it's interesting because during COVID, it was kind of, this is a COVID project. I started writing it, you know, in January of 2021. And um, it was something, you know, to channel my healing and my grief and, um, but, you know, because I'm a visual artist first, I started something called Painted Affirmations. And um, I tell people you can find your voice in 15 words or less. And I have gotten on Zoom with, you know, 35 people across three different states and did these um, virtual art parties. But by finding, you know, 15 words of your favorite li- song lyric, your favorite quote, your mantra that speaks to you. So, so you I was, define yourself by 15 words or less? Yeah. just it's like, Kind of like an elevator pitch for yourself. Yeah. Or just, a mo- you know, just like a um, so personal affirmation. Can I ask you what yours is? Oh, sure. Mine is, um, it is the nature of all greatness not to be exact. And I actually got that quote when I was at UCSB as an undergrad. But that's just my life. You, you, mm-hmm. you just, you, perfection is not in my vocabulary, especially as, a, as an artist. So I found a way. Well, the, the, the quote that really got me going on this is right at COVID in March of 2020. I, the, me and my husband lost our jobs. Uh, I had a knee blowout. Had because have, of COVID? Yeah, because mm-hmm. of COVID. Then I, oh, I'm going to go, I live across the street from a tennis court. I'm going to join the craze and learn pickleball. Well, I blew out my knee on the second try. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> so now I was physically laid up and emotionally laid up. No job, no physicality. So I started listening to the radio. You're a big music guy, so I know you'll appreciate this. Old James Taylor starts coming on. It's uh, And his song was, The Secret of Life is Enjoying the Passage of Time. Any Fool Can Do It. So there I was lying there going, okay. <laughs> Come on, James, sing it again. So I yeah. replayed it like a hundred times. Screw you, James Taylor, but okay, I no, like it. No, <laughs> it, 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 it lifted me up. It's not so easy, James. It lifted me up. It was like, I can enjoy this this time. Darn so you. It did help. And I, again, I figured out this fun way to create art on Zoom and and I love that. I think that's very cool. And so I think everybody out there should do that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to ask all the listeners to send us, send them to you, me and you. I, I want to hear what, who, what you think you are in 15 words or less. Yeah. I, I like that. I'd love to hear and about. So you asked me about being a Valley girl. I, I was always a journal writer. So I documented my life in journaling. I traveled the world, actually. I, I went my junior year abroad to Israel, and then I went to Kenya and Egypt for spring wow. breaks and Christmas breaks. And then I got the bug. And You're curious came home. Life. Yeah, came home and graduated. And then I had to go to Southeast Asia. And then I had to go to Japan. And I have to go, Mom. I have I, to go, It's Dad. just like part of my artist, you wow. know, yeah. and, and, and see things that. And appreciating the world, and um, I just I love different cultures and things like that. Yeah, but the journal writing is probably the where I got the confidence to even write this story. And you can see it's in my voice. It's kind of interesting because it's me. It's like me talking or me writing a journal. And the most amazing thing about this book is, 
you know, most authors of you know fiction or something have a, a, a beginning, a middle, and an end. I just had a beginning and, a, and a, some of a middle. But I just kept writing, and every time I got stuck, I take a pause, and unfortunately, the new in the news, a terrible thing would happen. Another person would get injured, and I'll, here's my next chapter. And then I talk about, you know, why isn't things improving, or how are things improving? And even at the very end, Jeremy, I was kind of crazy. I um, I really thought this was a a bigger book, like I could get a publish by a by a publishing company. But I and I've had some amazing mentors helping me along the way and connecting me with people. So I, I literally had it read by a um, a, a high end literary agent, and her take was that it was not documentary enough. It was too journalistic for the mainstream. I don't know what that means. Though. Well, it was. I don't know either. Do you know what that means? Well, it it gave. I mean, me- I think it reads really. I was going to. Uh, Tell plug this on the way out. Um, I I love how you write, and I I haven't thought about the words well enough to. But it's it reads uh, it really page you, you you page turn. You're interested. You get wrapped up in not only the stories about your mom or friends, your your daughter, your your life, but but it's all interwoven throughout this tragedy. But there's but it also comes to life really beautifully in your written word and the way that in your prose and the way that you you structure oh i'm sitting here beaming because i was so nervous like a week before okay so after this woman said you know it's not really um mainstream publishing company style so it actually gave me the the impetus to say you know what that's fine my dad's turning 90 (laughs) i need to get this book out i'm not waiting three years for a company to pick it up Mm -hmm. so i i learned how to um do it on amazon.com and so i it's a self-published book and i'm so thrilled that it came out and i got it done and but a week before i pushed that button to upload it i'm like you know, you have to have the imposter syndrome. Who am I to write a book about this? Who am I? What if it's really bad? Like, what if no one likes? What if my story? Thought of this. <laughs> were, were you through your life? Were you um, were you afraid of things or afraid of be, your voice putting your voice out there? Or were you? I think. That, or were you always? That's brave? interesting. I think. Is what a, if that, again? That's one more thing that your mom gave you in a way that you, you that you had to publish you had to self-publish you had to get past that inner voice in your head that said you're not good enough that is interesting i'm the youngest of three so i was traumatized you know by my brother and sister (laughs) you know it's everybody's third child story (laughs) so they you know would kind of take my voice away you know like you know my sister would boss me around and and then she you know maybe whatever i maybe that is true proud of you now I think book. so. And the interesting thing is my brother and my sister live in Simi Valley, which is a you know stone's throw from the San Fernando Valley where my dad lived. But I'm two hours away in Santa Barbara, and I'm the one that did all this. And I'm, I'm actually the only one that went to college and got my master's degree. So I had the confidence to speak out where they, you know... They said they were happy to let me take the the, the microphone. I have a feeling. Okay, good. <laughs> I was going to say, if you say much more, you probably won't want to send this to them. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, the they podcast. were helpful. Well, we got to take another real quick break. Um, the the book is "Sit Behind the Nets." Janet Goldblum Brody is my 
special guest today. The book is available as an ebook and on paper on paperbook paperback. Excuse me, paperbook paperback on Amazon Books and locally here in Santa Barbara at Chaucer's Bookstore. Um, it, it's out now, right? Because we we had scheduled this <laughs> last week. And anyway, go to the website. Also, sit behind the nets book dot mystrikingly dot com social media on facebook author jana brody instagram jana dot brody linkedin jana brody you can find her on all those socials uh again sit behind the nets the memoir about a mother killed by a foul ball at a major league baseball game by jana goldbloom goldbloom brody we'll be right back Somerset, England. The Jeremiah Show is now on Core Radio. Keep on rocking to the core. Core Radio. The Jeremiah Show airs at 10 p.m. Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursday. Core Radio dot rocks. Hi, this is Larry Vigon on the Jeremiah Show. And we're back with the Jeremiah Show. Show this special episode is dedicated in memory of Linda 
Cafe Goldblum, 1938-2018. If you're just joining us, Jana Brody, Jana Goldblum Brody, is our special guest. She wrote a memoir about her mother's life and about her... God, a crusade, really. I I mean, that's a big word, but... uh, um, And I don't want to take anything away from the hard work that you put into it. It took a lot of people... Uh, your mentor at ESPN, the writer, what is his name again? Oh, Willie Weinbaum. Willie Weinbaum. Um, and so many more. Uh, and of course, these, this tragic event that started it all. What was, what were the, I want to get a couple facts here about the, the nets behind the batting box, the batting cage. Um, how, ta- how high were they before? Let's say 2017. What were they? Well, it's interesting that you say we're talking about the height because my campaign and advocacy was all about raising the nets. And most people talked about just extending them. Mm -hmm. So we talked about that at the 2018. So what were they before? If you can describe it visually for the listener. Yeah. It wrapped around the back of the box, right? Yeah. And um, each each stadium has their own configuration. And that's part of the issue that it took so long to get this done. Wasn't it one? Yeah. This is our standard. Yeah. Every every ballpark has its own shape. But Dodger Stadium has a very nice net. It goes up behind. You know, the backstop pretty high, but my mom and dad were in the load section, which is the yellow. And it's they go above the yellow is red and blue, and that's the the nosebleeds. So they're pretty good seats. They're middle, but they were literally just above where the top of the netting ended. So like we're looking at this plastic thing, you know, it would mm-hmm. just be beyond that. So that you was know the how issue. High that was? No, I don't know. So, so you determined. I mean, what happened next? How did you, how did you determine what was really needed? Well, and then how did what was the process to get everybody on board and to agree with that? Well, you're up against a monster. Yeah, Major League Baseball is something called the Baseball Law, and this is from the 1920s, and it's there's a. T- um, on the back of your ticket, it says "Enter your own risk," and they are covered. Mm-hmm. They they are covered for anything that happens. And um, again, I mentioned there's been a lot of injuries be- besides the death of Alan Fish and Linda Goldblum, but there's been a lot of injuries, and these people get no compensation. They don't get they get a signed ball if they're lucky, and these people are living with missing eyes and with brain contusions and um, just night, you know, headaches every single day and terrible things. But there again, there's no compensation. And, you know, sometimes you hear stories of someone slips at the market and then, you know, the grocery store gives you money to, for the hospital. Mm-hmm. None of that can happen here. It's all protected legally. And um, you sign away your rights. Yeah. You enter so they your don't own really rest. have any reason to, to listen to you or to listen to anyone. But they did, right? Well, that's the thing. I think it, this campaign, ex- hashtag extend the nest, was kind of our, our what we talked about. And it wasn't just me. There was other people, these 
these people, these injured players that have been involved with it in minor league games at spring training places that are trying to tell their story, but it's just wasn't getting out. And um, again, after my mom's incident and getting the story out, I think journalists decided that it was something they needed to take a closer look at. Mm-hmm. I've had, you know, you could Google Linda Goldblum and 300,000 stories come up. Um, some of them talk from a lawyer's perspective. Is this law outdated? Some of them talk about, um, like you mentioned, distractions and hecklers saying, oh, she should have moved. Or, you know, there's just so many different perspectives on this. But the goal was not to let this happen ever again. And after my mom's death, the, the injuries were still happening and they were being caught on camera. And this is, I think, when the Dodgers finally said, uh-oh, not just the Dodgers, but all the parks that they're having injuries. And some of them reacted very quickly and put the nets up really fast. Dodgers weren't so fast, but we worked on it. And um, again... Why would they be slow to do it? What well, it was the commissioner. He could have just mandated it. I mentioned in my book that... Um, I mean, I can't imagine a net and putting the, the protection for the time and the amount of money that it would it would take. Why would you drag your feet on that? Yeah, there was. It doesn't block the view. It doesn't anything like that. But that's not what they said. You know, they said it it was impeding on their, you know, the experience. Mm -hmm. But you know, it's like it's like people said that about safety bells in your car. Yeah, very uncomfortable. Richard's giving me the two minutes until end, Richard, of the show. Say it isn't so. We're just getting started. Oh, just a break. Okay, so. Maybe I actually want people to go read the book. So let's not tell them everything that happened <laughs> okay, and where, where we're at there. But I, I one of the I really love the stories about your mom and your family and um, a couple of the chapter headings I I, I jotted down here because they're so uh, sports oriented. But they're so positive, like play for the win, and it's not the setback; it's the comeback. Um, I don't want you to tell me everything that's changed because I want to send people to Amazon to buy the book. Um, you released the book I thought was so clever right before the Major League Baseball season began last week, right? The well, that spring training has started. Spring training, yeah. Um, and spring training is you know, one of the places that's not protected. So let's come back. And then what? how much time do we have, Richard, when I come back? Five minutes? Okay. So I want to end this, if we could, with um, – uh, a couple stories about your mom and and some of your best memories of your mom. Sure. Okay. okay. So we'll come back right back. Um, speaking with Jana Goldblum Brody, the book is um, that you, you go to Amazon or her website, sit behind the nets explanation point. It's a memoir about a mother killed by a foul ball at a major league baseball game. Author again, Jana Goldblum Brody. And uh, you can find her on socials, author Jana Brody on Facebook, Instagram, Jana.Brody, and LinkedIn at Jana Brody. The book is also available at Chaucer's. It's an ebook and it's a paperback, and you should pick up your copy, uh, and we'll be right back. You think you should hide 
Check out Jeremiah's top 10 new artist picks on Radio India Alliance each week. The Radio India Alliance is a chart service that allows indie recording artists an opportunity to have chart placements. We don't charge. We support RadioIndiaAlliance.com. This is Miles Copeland. Yeah, I just had the honor of speaking to the Jeremiah Show. Who would have believed that little old me would have the opportunity to speak on such a prestigious show? And they even talked about my book, my memoir, Two Steps Forward, One Step Back, My Life in the Music Business. So it was a great pleasure to uh, be on that show, The Jeremiah Show. Hey, it's Tim Stack, and having been in show business for so long, I have a lot of really funny friends, and you can hear them all on It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack. That's part of The Jeremiah Show. So listen. I've been cheating on, cheating on you You've been cheating on me But I've been cheating through this life And all this suffering Oh Christ Am I good for nothing? So behind the nets, the memoir about a mother killed by a foul ball at a major league baseball game by Jana Goldblum Brody. She's our special guest today. You can pick it up at Chaucer's in Santa Barbara or on Amazon. Uh, welcome back, Jana. Thank you so much for just sharing this personal story. And also thank you for what you did unselfishly for all baseball fans that go to games. Um, Major League Baseball games. I think it's a little bit safer. We can sit there a little bit safer um, because of you and your your mother, dedicated in memory of Linda Faye Goldblum. Uh, Richard, you had a question. I did. I am. I'm an avid baseball fan. I love the game. Uh, I'm wondering what this whole experience has done to your love of the game of baseball. That's a beautiful question, Richard, because I do still love baseball and I still love baseball players and I love the game. And that's why it was so important for me. I want people to still buy the tickets, still support your favorite player. But nowadays you can look at the seating chart and you can pick a seat behind the net <laughs> and just double check. You feel safe for your children, your grandchildren. Please go to the game. But that's that's even it's a memoir with a message. If you're. You know, even if you don't read the whole book and you just read the title, it's important to sit behind the nets because um, your life depends on it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's part of my story is I, I want people to, you know, again, look it up on the chart and buy that ticket and just be safe. And now there is more inventory 
thanks to the extensions of the game. There's more seats behind nets now. So that's great. Well, we've got to say goodbye, unfortunately, but um, and and this is probably really hard to do. What I'm going to ask you, but if you could. You know, when you're all alone and you think about your mom or, you know, what are, what are the one of the best memories that make you smile every time about your mother that we could leave everyone with? Oh, thanks. Story. Thank you for asking. Yeah, my mom, um, I, I have to say my thing, I talked about her jewelry. So my mom was big about jewelry and she was um, got, you know, heirloom down from her mother and her grandmother and so I wear her jewelry all the time. I have this big hunk and diamond ring that used to be a pendant that he, she and my husband, co, you know, covertly turned into a diamond ring. And um, so I wear that every day and I think about her. I wear her earrings today that um, she would love me to always be accessorized. You know, <laughs> she was all about the matching jewelry and my kids today are not. So I'm trying to instill into them that, you know, it's just a piece of your bubby and your grandma and you need to wear her jewelry. So that keeps her close to me. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Uh, There was there were three things that people could do. To help and when and when they buy the book, what would you what would those be? What would you I mean, let me give you the final words here about the book and how people can find the book and what you want them to get out of the book. Oh, yeah. Well, as I told Richard, I want you guys to buy the tickets, but please sit behind the nets and protect your family and, you know, just enjoy baseball, but be safe. And again, my book's on Amazon and I hope it's successful to everybody. Yeah, it really is a good read and enjoyable read. I recommend it highly. Sit behind the nets, book.mystrikingly.com or on Amazon, Facebook and Instagram, Facebook author, Jana Brody, Instagram, Jana.Brody. Thank you so much for coming in. Jeremiah, it's been great. Finally got this to this interview and, and the time to sit down together here in the studio after three strikes. <laughs> we were almost out. <laughs> Okay, Uh, communicate, but listen more and evolve. Everybody have a great week. I got guns in my head and they won't go. Spirits in my head and they won't go. I got guns in my head and they won't go. Spirits in my head and they won't go. When the gun still rattles, the gun still rattles, oh. I got guns in my head and they won't go. In my head and they won't go I spent a lot of nights on the run And I think all oh, like I'm lost and can't be found I'm just waiting
wanna be alive while I'm here And I don't want a never-ending life I just wanna be alive while I'm here And I don't want to see another night Lost inside a lonely life while I'm here I got guns in my head and they won't go Spirits in my head and they won't go I got guns in my head and they won't go Spirits in my head and they won't go But the gun still rattles, the gun still rattles, oh This is comedian Maz Chobrani, and you are listening to The Jeremiah Show. Listen, man. Did you like our soundtrack? Find all of our soundtracks on Spotify. The Jeremiah Show. Look for the black label. As always, a big thanks to our station manager, Les Carroll, for letting us on the air at all. Listeners, we appreciate you and want to hear from you. Please send us your ideas at jeremiah at thejeremiahshow.com or on Messenger, on Facebook, or Instagram. The Jeremiah Show is produced by executive producer Jeremiah Higgins and me, your announcer, Tony Kelly. Communicate, listen more, and evolve. My name's Danny Trejo. Jeremiah, your loved homes. I love you. I love you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.